your friends. <laughs> back, back, back again. We're cozying up in the bedroom, so yeah, so cozy, cozy. There'll be less car sounds theoretically than when we record in our living room. You may hear a little drip drop though. Do you hear that? Oh, it's really coming down. It's starting out there. to. We needed. We needed this. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're having a very rainy winter in L.A. Well, for us. And we love it. It's been beautiful. Yeah. I love it. You see, you're sick of the rain, you said. Um, I, I do a lot of things outside, so I do get frustrated when I don't have that same yes. availability that, you know, is one of the good things about living in Southern California yes. is that... Fucking, there's like over 300 and something days of sun. Yeah, it's something is, I take for granted big time. Yeah, and then when you do get rain, you're like, fuck, I can't go woodwork, I can't mountain It's harder bike. to just, well, yeah, yeah. And But it is going to be great for our garden. The garden's going to be lush. All of the greenery in SoCal is going to be amazing. We're, yeah, we're most likely going to have like a really dope super bloom. Later and, this spring. and a lot of those state is supposedly out of drought, not uh, not out of drought, but in much lower states of drought than before. Yeah. Assuming our, the snowpack doesn't melt too early. Or our snowpack is like, yeah, record breaking right now. But I feel like in the last 15 years, that's kind of been like the cycle. Yeah, probably. I can't say be for that because I wasn't really here then. But yeah, it's like Every drought, drought, years. drought, drought, drought. Then we just get like a crazy monsoon mm-hmm. winter and then we're like okay we're all, we're all right and then like the Back very very next year is going to be drought <laughs> yeah it does seem a little cyclical also like a lot of people i don't know a controversial opinion but a lot of people are blaming this on climate change even though there's a lot of like weather models that show that these sort of anomalies are not they're anomalies but they're not out of the realm of possibility yeah or over the course of the state's history i mean i think part of that is maybe a little bit of both sides are true i mean yeah. i definitely think that when we're talking about climate change and stuff like that we as humans are super short-sighted because yeah. we're only talking about a hundred years of weather yeah since we've been like recording like or even or even remember that one thing where it was like people were saying this is the first blizzard in blizzard warning in los angeles ever but it's not ever it's since this one per it's since the 80s when this one particular type of blizzard warning came into use yeah so it doesn't mean there haven't been blizzards in this area it's just that that specific blizzard warning has never been activated there's a little bias that has to do with like recorded history yeah it's like not not in all of history in human recorded history yeah yeah this is an anomaly since, yeah since we've been measuring this specific data point i'm sorry i interrupted um you. oh but i was i was saying something like if we start looking into like the fossil record um the like geological um markers of climate like the climate has shifted radically over time like mm-hmm. we have a very small usually when people are talking about climate it's a very small window they're talking about and we're like no actually earth the earth system cycle in a much larger time frame than we can comprehend or than we do comprehend when we're talking about the climate and that's not like climate denial like we're not saying that the outrageous uh, (laughs) emissions and all that stuff isn't having some effect having but we have to look at the the broad picture of things there is there's climate there's climate denial and then i think on the flip side of that there's climate um panic or something i don't know what you want to call it like where people are attributing at this point and this is a real thing anything that is like whoa weather event becomes now climate change you know what i mean when anomalies (laughs) are anomalies they they happen you know what i mean like weather is somewhat unpredictable and, and always has been of course, if you're tracking patterns and you're tracking the rise of the, t- the temperature overall and the sea-, sea levels and things like that and the glacial melt, that's all. Those are all things. But when people like attribute like, whoa, big storm, got to be climate change. I think that's where it's more like a, um, I don't know what you would call it, a, a civilian panic button type of thing. I think a lot of that is also like we're getting at through like news media which basically wants to stoke it profits off of fear wants to stoke panic wants to you know 
it's like an addiction for people is like you get this like you get this like adrenaline mm. dump or whatever or this cortisol dump like oh no everyone's coming to get me yeah the world's gonna kill me right <laughs> like it is but yeah. it's also like maybe not maybe we shouldn't be absorb absorbing like the bad shit happening for like eight billion people all at once so, like, well we were definitely we were <laughs> only built to like take in 140 close connections at a yeah. time instead we're being like yeah, pummeled with, like, millions of people's ideas and emotions every day. And there's also, like, millions and billions of amazing things happening, totally too. Totally, that we don't get to see because that's not as profitable. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to get into, like, a... a, a, a <laughs> diatribe about... <laughs> a diatribe or, like, even, you know... News I, bias. <laughs> I, yeah, news bias. And also, I do think, like, you know, I, I think as time goes on and these... Uh, you know, climate change being real, like that those 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 changes are happening. I'm not saying they're not, but the fact that it's maybe not like super apparent to the average person how to go about like gauging what that is or look at the data. I can't. I don't know how to look at the data and like truly understand it. So most people are just getting their information from headlines, mm -hmm. which are as you say, fear mongering. So it's like all I'm saying is like there's the. Uh, I think it's interesting that, like, weather has become not weather, but climate change. Do you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. I think, and I think that's going to, like, continue to be a trend in, like, language and perception. Yeah. I mean, it's also the most perceivable marker of it to mm -hmm. the layman as well. That's totally but, true, yeah. So, yeah, it's like, I don't know, a little bit in both hands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, it's just an interesting part of modern life that we'll continue to, like, observe. I, you know, I grew up in Minnesota where, like, extreme weather is constant. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, like, not, I don't know. And, and what you attribute that to, I guess, just depends on the time you live in and the, to the topic of the day, you know? Yeah. I mean, back then, it was all about the, um, the ozone, remember that yeah the ozone hole and now the ozone Nobody hole talks about that shit anymore right which is interesting i was like a child so i didn't really know what it was about i would just hear it in pop culture like holes in the ozone yeah but I apparently they're repaired yeah i think it, 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 we stopped using a lot of the things that were that we noticed were damaging it like cfcs there were like these chemicals that were used in like um spray spray propellant for like mm. you know like canned air or like wd-40 like oh, things that came in a spray bottle like a spray can things that small were causing that were accumulating uh i think that was part of it uh mm. i don't remember let me look it up real quick but it was a chemical in there that mm. that was really bad did for any, people did, and like for some reason eroded the ozone did That's, things like like smog regulations in LA and other big cities like affect it does smog have an effect because because um, LA used to be really bad like, yeah well, we're still living in extremely toxic air but I'm not, it's not sure as as it was. I mean I'm not sure exactly what like car exhaust does to the ozone but I know like LA we live like we live like in this little like atmospheric like bowl kind of like because we're kind of surrounded by mountains so a lot of like shit was just like sitting in the air here With and no, like no chance to clear it except yeah. rain or... and like also back in the like 60s and 70s they were fucking selling leaded gas right. so that like the exhaust was really really toxic like right. you get like lead poisoning just from breathing or something i might be exaggerating that um anyway i don't really know that much about the ozone i'm just thinking of like different ways that people frame true crisis crises but they get framed and like distilled and boiled down in a certain way in the media i'm just thinking about those sort of things yeah but i didn't really mean to get into that i was just going to talk That's about okay. how beautiful the now i'm like going down to a cfc <laughs> rabbit hole like, oh, no. like so cfc is a chlorofloral carbon and ozone like chloroform no chlorofloral carbon not chloroform oh. chlorofloral carbon oh. um what does it say Ch -ch 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 -ch. They destroy ozone mo molecules. Mm hmm Um, I don't But, yeah, it says in the, I guess in the 1920s we started using them. They were used in refrigeration, air conditioning. Um, it's a toxic compound, flammable, could res exposure to them could result in serious injury and death. Um, so it sounded like, yeah, pretty gnarly shit. 
Which I guess is now outlawed or something. Yeah, they've definitely been been outlawed. There were also what the first compound they. The first compound they developed was dichloroidylfluoromethine, which was dubbed Freon. Okay, oh. now piggybacking off of that, <laughs> it's making me think about the Ohio train derailment, the Norfolk oh, Southern. And have just, we talked about that already? We haven't. Maybe, yeah. We haven't, but and I don't want to get into it too much, but I'm also just thinking about news cycles and like how now train derailments are like in the news every day. Mm. And it's not that train derailments weren't happening before. It's that because of this extreme toxic... Um, uh, polluting. It's like, like a trending kind of... It's just a trending topic. I think having yeah. that kind of media awareness and literacy is not like... It's something that's become a real fucking pet peeve for me mm. is watching friends like just rehash and like regurgitate media headlines without any seeming like coherence or literacy or like idea of that fear-mongering system and like yeah. what, what like regurgitating that really does to people's brains you know what i mean which is melt them <laughs> it's like it melts them and it makes them smooth at the same time <laughs> it's like you got a koala brain Smoothie that's melt. like yeah anyway yeah i was just thinking about that too about how like now that is like the big news story and it's i do believe i think there's statistics on it that i came upon at some point and i couldn't i couldn't rehash those for you because i don't didn't retain them but that train derailments are fairly common because the infrastructure in this country is awful yeah the money's not in infrastructure it's in weapons but uh these train derailments happen pretty often and then norfolk southern in particular has like deregulated a lot of things with their mm -hmm. company but anyway that's just another thought when you were mentioning toxic gases being yes. released or whatever but out of my butt Let's not go any further <laughs> down that road. We're going to talk about sweet things like our garden and the beautiful poppies and the calendula that are growing and, you know, sweet things that remind us we're human. Sweet things. Instead of toxic things. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to say about the garden? Well, what do you have going on in there? You got things growing? A few things. I mean, we haven't done our, like, yearly garlic harvest. That should hopefully pop off some somewhere near the end of the month. Every winter, I do a big garlic grow. So I plant, I don't know, like 50 to 100-ish garlic bulbs. How many aren't there right now? Would you I say have 50? no idea. <laughs> well, they're just around. I don't, you're going to yeah, go around just, and just grab them where you see them. Uh, yeah. I just plant a bunch. I'm really excited about the loofah I planted a few days ago. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I've never grown loofah. And it's a lot a of people... Gourd? It's a gourd. And a, a loofah, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's two things. Yes, it's the bath body poofs that people use for body wash. The little, like... Well, they, the, the original loofah is... Is a plant. It's a plant. And it, it's a plant that looks like an under underwater, like, coral. Yeah, I always thought it was, like, a sea, sea cucumber or some shit. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I thought it was a sea cucumber, literally, like, an ocean gourd. Yeah. Um, but no, it's something sea you Sea cucumbers are actually animals. They though. are. They are. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought of it as a cucumber being somewhat related to gourd. I always thought of it as, like, a type of... Yeah, you're like, it's, it's just, like, fibrous, like, yeah. Because it looks like critter. that. Um, but apparently they grow very prolifically. If the seeds take, we should have a prolific harvest of these, like, giant loofah sponges, which you cut into, uh, sections, you bisect them, and you can use them for the shower or for dishes or cleaning. Yeah, exciting. I know, I can't wait to see. So, once, when we harvest them, what do we do? We just kind of let you, it dry out? You let it dry out on the vine. You can eat them. Oh. And I was looking at some cultures that, uh, where it's more common to eat them. You have to cook them the right way. You gotta know how to cook them. They seem like they would be hard to eat. They're, like, so fibrous. Well, like, if, you, if you harvest them very early in their oh, maturation. when they're, they're mm -hmm. like, soft and tender. And then you have to cook them. And I would guess it's somewhat similar to squash, where it's very, um starchy mm, okay um so it might not be something for you you don't really like squash not a huge squash person no. um but then what what you do to make them into sponges is let them dry on the vine and then you kind of i think you go around and check them and knock them and once they sound hollow you can cut them off you peel them and then that's it you literally just cool. peel it and then i was reading the wikipedia and there's all this stuff about like the fat like 
the body of the Wikipedia is mostly about how the tensile strength of the shape of the Lufagord has been studied in all these ways for its, like, incredible mechanical properties. Huh. Like, it, it's able to, like, take force. It, it, I, I, it's very technical. I mean, I could, <laughs> I could read it, but I was like, what the fuck? Why people, engineers specifically, have, like, spent a lot of time studying the Lufa. The structure of the Lufa. The structure of the Lufa, the way that it grows has this, like, unique... Uh, geometry or something interesting that makes it have like really unique uh, mechanical properties huh. like it's able to like take certain kinds of pressure in, in a and then spring back in a way that's really unique I guess cool yeah cool plant so I'm excited about that I hope they take I hope we get a bunch yeah we can like be loofah fairies <laughs> yeah just giving out loofahs how nice would that be what sponges the- are useful and they're better than like the plastic shit that we get at the store you know yeah um, I don't know what I'm super excited about that I'm growing. Mm, cucumbers, Japanese cucumbers. That doesn't seem Those that are exciting, always prolific. but I love I love cucumbers. It's always nice to have good cucumbers. What about your weed plants this year? My weed plants, hopefully, yeah, I'm growing uh, cakes and chem for the second year. Um. But, yeah, those are all sprouted right now. I'm just going to let them stay in little pots until... Uh, I don't know if I'll let them go till I can sex them. I might put them in the ground before then. What about the sunflower ring? Oh, yeah, the sunflowers. Sunflower That's ring what I'm excited plant. about. Yeah, so where we had the footprint of the pool, which you may recall we had a pool last summer for Tempa's birthday. Out in the yard, we'd flatten an area. Then we kind of just had this patch of, like, dirt there. And we were like, what should we do with this dirt? What, do we level it out? What do we do with it? And then you decided... Well, I mean, it was level, but yeah, we were like, do we scrape it out or do we... Yeah. I wanted to keep it because it's kind of where we... Could put the pool again. Could put the pool again. Um, And yeah, so to keep it from eroding, I don't know, I started planting sunflowers like around the edge of it. So we're going to have kind of like a sunflower ring. There's not a huge amount of sunflowers out there, but... My one of my garden goals always is to have like a sunflower forest in the yard. There's been a couple of years where I've gotten pretty close where it's been like a fuckload of sunflowers out there. Super tall, super dense. Um I kind of wish I had planted more now that we're getting all this rain. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz those the sunflowers that are out there are going to probably do pr- pretty, pretty well. well. And mo- I think most of the sunflowers I've planted have been like the these really big that I forget what they're called, but they're like, like Monster. the size of a dinner plate. Yeah, they're big. Like the he- the just like where the seeds are, um, they're kind of monster sunflowers. So most of those that are growing right now are going to be like yeah these really big sunflowers, which I'm excited about. I'm excited to see how that turns out because if it's successful, it'll be like a, almost like a little hut. Like, it won't have a roof, but it's going to be, like, a cool little, like, zone to hang a out. A little zone, of. yeah. And we planted, uh, or we just scattered some, like, clover seeds as ground cover. Yeah, I'm hoping so, the clover takes over the crabgrass or yeah, whatever it is. I kind of want to pull that grass out. We're going to have to. <laughs> I know you're right, but we should have done it in the beginning. Yeah. Which I just felt too lazy to do, to be honest. How could you? I mean, I <laughs> uh, But, yeah, the garden's going to be cute, and all this rain we're getting, it'll be really fun to see. But I am a little bummed that we can't make it out out of L.A. to a Super Bloom spot. Unless well, we go with a friend or something. Maybe. We don't know. I guess that segues into the next thing. Yeah. Like, the car got hit. <laughs> what, uh, the Temba's, Temba's beautiful car that you've had for five, six years now? Something like that, yeah. My sweet diesel Jetta that I planned to either run until it was dead or run until we move away. But we just got a bunch of stuff serviced on it so it was like good to run for another like hundred thousand miles just like oil changes brakes tires (laughs) was gonna be it uh but yeah we were parked on the side of the street which where we always park outside of our house it's kind of a busy street it's four lanes of traffic and people tend to drive really people drive ridiculously fast i drive ridiculously fast down there i'm not gonna lie i just yeah it's so hard to understand like Anyway, an, someone ran into it yeah. while it was parked. Our Ten car, minutes after we got home, basically. Our car, two cars in front of us. They, so they totaled four cars total, including their rental vehicle yeah. that they were in. 
They were okay. No one was injured, thankfully. We were not in the car, even though we had just gotten out of it. Like, I have, like, PTSD thinking about us being <laughs> that happening 10 minutes earlier. But, I mean, yeah. they may they may have been concussed. Their airbag They might off, have been. They, they did seem a little out of it. They were out of it, but... It's also, like, shock yeah, of just of course. getting into an accident. It's not fun. Of course not. Especially when and they were working. She was you, working. Yeah, she's driving for Lyft. And especially when if you wreck, like, three other cars. Like, I, I can only imagine what that must be like. You're like, fuck me. <laughs> yeah, it was a... It was... It was a... It's really unfortunate you take such good care of that car. I was just talking to my dad about it. How I was like, I'm just not used to having a car that's being well maintained. I was like, no shade, Dad. Oh, <laughs> I was damn! Like, I'm really glad that you, you know, you my... definitely shaded. <laughs> no, but he knows what he's like with yeah. cars. He he just laughed. He was like, he knows. That's that's his choice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is more to get buy really cheap cars and they break down and you buy a new car. Yeah, Instead I mean that of, car wasn't expensive by any means. Uh, no, but, my dad buys two hundred dollar cars. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, it was expensive by those metrics, but yeah, and those are the cars I I grew up driving. Mm-hmm. Two hundred, three hundred dollar cars, you know. Um, but yeah, so it's painful because you had just put some money into it, uh, and we had put some money into some repairs, not a week earlier. One of the biggest repairs you can do on a car, right? Which is the water pump. That's one of the bigger maintenance. Not repairs, uh, it's maintenance. Yeah, ma- yeah, one of the big, bigger maintenance That's things. also what makes it so painful. It wasn't even a repair, it was maintenance. Yeah, it was preventative <laughs> maintenance. <laughs> but you seem to have, like, a more, I don't know, relaxed view on it. On it. Like, your point of view is very, like, shit happens, you know? Yeah, it's just, it is what it is, you know? You can't can't turn back. Yeah, if you're gonna drive a car, someone's eventually gonna hit it, and you're, you eventually, maybe it comes from, like, riding motorcycles or something, because it's, like, you're used to the risk. You're not gonna, yeah, you're, I I think people have a false sense of security when they're in a car, because it's, like, you're in your own little universe, Mm -hmm. and you're, like, yeah. But when you're riding a motorcycle, it's just, you're naked. You're fucking out there. And it's like, people do such crazy shit to motorcycles all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not like, it's not if you're going to crash, it's when. You're eventually, someone's going to hit you. You're going to do something that's, yeah, same thing with a car. You know, it's it's like walking. You're not going to, there's no one alive that has walked and never stubbed their toe or twisted their ankle. <laughs> it's just, it's gonna happen sometime. <laughs> no, and I think you're like, um, your ability to judge those risks is very realistic. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I feel like I had, maybe when I was younger, it would have been different. I, I don't know. It's just, I've come to terms with that shit's gonna happen. It's mm-hmm. just... For me, it's more constructive to have a, I guess, I don't know if this is a zen approach, but a more zen approach yeah, to you it. Are you are very know, zen. It's just, it is what it is. It sucks. It's just a car. Luckily, we... We weren't hurt, and that we weren't would have hurt. been a lot worse. It's like, I, I loved that car. Like, I tried to keep, take care of it as much as I could, but, you know, it's not fun to start the process of, like, searching for a new car, especially, like, probably not going to be able to get another diesel jetta just because they're super rare right tell, they... tell us about the tell us about that part of it because that's something like i guess most people look at our car or think look at our car and they just see like a 20 year old car right but diesel jetta has a some kind of cult following or something yeah there's it? a cult following and it was an 04 um so this is like pre-diesel gate um but Dude, what's diesel gate we don't need to get all the way into but that. But they don't know. Dieselgate. People know what Dieselgate is. Dieselgate is basically. Was... I forget when it started. I think it was like in the 2000, 2010 generation and up of of uh, diesel Jettas and Golfs from uh, Volkswagen. But basically, they like fudged some numbers on their emissions to get them approved. Oh, in the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah, um, and then. Later, it came out that that's what happened, and yeah, they had to do, like, they, there was some litigation, and they got forced to do, like, basically a huge buyback, so anyone who had bought in that generation of car, I think for almost, like, five or seven year span, mm. uh, they had to buy the cars back if the person didn't want it, and then they also had to, they did, like, a recalculation of, like, the ECU, the 
computer that drives like the the uh, the whole what the fuck's word I'm looking for the whole uh, fuel fuel yeah the ignition Injection? the ignition system oh. um, so it got recalibrated so it was actually doing what it was supposed to do instead of so your car <coughs> is pre pre that yeah which means it's it's what um, be- higher better functioning or what does that mean it's it's nerdy don't, you don't need to get into it yeah but. it's not it's not super important it's more like people felt like they got lied to and then oh. blah 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 oh. um, the update they did I think functions properly um, but our generation is right after the most desirable diesel generation was the one right the engine right before uh, us um, which was the most fuel efficient um, one I think those cars were reliably getting like close to 50 if not a little more than 50 miles per gallon uh-huh. without any mods mm. um, if you mod it you can get way better but well we were doing pretty good right like when we drove uh, did our little Colorado road trip we were getting like 60 miles to the gallon on the highway right uh, something like that I don't know if it was quite 60 was we were doing like in the 600s to a tank so I don't know what that is. I felt it like takes. we were, I felt like we calculated and it was like or maybe it was forty. Maybe I was conflating. It was 600. in the forty. It was for sure in the forties. Forties, oh, yeah. So we such a good car. You know that day that that happened, literally, literally half an hour before our car got totaled. So yeah, we were probably getting around like fifty-one. That's good. And a half miles per gallon. Granted, diesel prices have gone up. But it all evens out, I guess. The gas mileage and the price of gas. That, I mean, that and, like, for a diesel engine, it just... Lasts they, longer. They last longer. Yeah. There's less repairs you have to do on them, as long as you keep up with the basic maintenance. Which you were doing um, so uh, fastidiously. I'm, I'm a big diesel proponent. Like, they just, the gas, the efficiency so much better, and, like, they just last law so much longer than yeah. gasoline engines yeah you were taking really good care of the car that's why totaling it is really a bummer i think when you you know you've put time and care into it but i guess that happens in all things yeah you know you can put so much time and attention to your body and then you can get you know fall off a cliff or something yeah or yeah uh meteorite hits you or get cancer <laughs> and you know your health degenerates there's just too many unknowns you yeah know? But so it's, you know, I think it's very, like, sweet how much care you put into that car. And also how sweet, it's sweet that you can let it go. Even though I know it's not easy to lose that or easy to find a new one. And I know it's frustrating. But it's also just, I don't know, calming for me because I get a little overwhelmed by risk and things Mm. like that going wrong. So I appreciate your calm demeanor, even (laughs) even if you're frustrated under the surface, you know. But uh, the other thing that was so funny that day was we were driving up to Elysian Park to look at the snow on the mountains. We've gotten all this amazing snow, and we wanted to go look at the view. And I was blathering to you about, I can't wait to live in a city where we don't need a car. I <laughs> I love not having a car. I Ultimately, I wish we didn't have a car. Do you remember that? It's just yeah. going on and on about it. And, like, I can't did wait. Did you jinx us? I don't know. I feel like I did. <laughs> it was <bad>. you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is how I feel, though. And, you know, we've probably talked about this before on the podcast, but I, my L.A. is a very car-centric city. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah. We have public transit. It's uh, not terribly connected. It's not terribly reliable. I used public transit for my first three years here. But mostly, I just tried to um, structure my life so that I could walk anywhere I needed to go. I could walk to friend's house. I could walk to work. I could walk to grocery or coffee or whatever, you know? Mostly. I'd, I'd, but I would spend, like, two or three day, hours a day walking, basically. Um, that's okay, because it rarely rains in L.A., so it worked out. And it's good for you. And it was really good for my health. Definitely better than my sedentary car lifestyle now. Car and work from home lifestyle. But... Yeah, I, it's hard to, that being said, it is hard to live in LA, harder to live in LA without a car. You know, the fact that we can do things like go to the beach or go up into the mountains. You got to go snowboarding, what, two days before the car got totaled? The day before. The day. <laughs> so having the ability to do that kind of thing is part of why 
I don't know. That's part of the perk of living in L.A. too. You can go to the beach. You can go to the snowy mountains. Yeah, you, you know? can surf and snowboard in the same day if or you choose. Or go to the desert. Or, you know, there's a lot to be said about the mobility of a car and getting to really enjoy everything. L.A. and SoCal and, you know, everything that there is to offer around Yeah. Here. I think that really has to... Some of that stuff has to do with, like, what your interests are, too. Sure. you know, there's plenty of people that could... It couldn't give a fuck about outdoor activities. That's and true. Yeah. Yeah, they they could be perfectly fine. Um, well, living downtown is a great place to live if you don't have a car. Yeah. If you just want to do nightlife. Or if like, you're yeah. yeah in in one of the little micro neighborhoods that mm-hmm. has a lot of accessible stuff. Like we're fortunate that we're in yeah. Echo Park and we we live close to downtown. We can walk we to downtown. Walk downtown. We can walk we to, can walk to Echo Park. two different grocery stores from our house. There's like three fucking coffee shops in our neighborhood now, which is yeah. wild. But you know, I don't know. There's still there. I like being able to walk wherever I go, and I think ultimately, I I just always come. I always have such an impasse where, like, you know, I want to sort of like live off grid in the woods and homestead, and I think mm-hmm. a, I feel like a car is somewhat necessary for that, and I also want to live in like. A big city where I have public transit and everything I need is walkable in my neighborhood, you know? And I, I don't know. I think those those things are like um they come into they come into focus for me when we lose the car and just think start the, having to think about mobility in a different way. Yeah. Um Definitely I think the biggest I mean, uh, other than other than like access to some of those things that might be far out, like wanting to go camping or mm-hmm. yeah, go to the mountains or whatever. Uh, I think that time also is, like, a big resource. Which time? To ta- time getting places. Oh, yeah. Because, um, yeah, unless you're... Everything you go to is, like, right off of, like, one of the few trains we have. Mm-hmm. And so you have... that. That's, like, the most reliable pub- public transportation that we right. have in L.A. is, is the train the system. Train. But... If you don't happen to live close to one of the lines, then when I first you're moved a little to LA, fucked. <laughs> so I first moved to LA living in an RV, but I parked that RV up in Altadena, right at the bottom of the foothills. Um, and it would take me three hours to get to Echo Park from Altadena. I yeah. would walk an hour to the train station because the bus wasn't reliable enough to wait for it. I'd be like waiting for an hour and I'd be like, why, why am I waiting for an hour when I could be walking for this hour? So I started walk, I'd walk for an hour I'd get on the train. The train would take an hour. I'd get a transfer from Grand Central to a bus that would take me to Echo Park. It would mm. literally take two and a half to three hours every time. I wanted to come see a friend, and it was wild. But I did have the time. Yeah. I had the time. I didn't have a job. I think I was living on food stamps at that point um, and trying to figure out how I was going to survive in L.A., basically. Um so I kind of liked it in a way, even though it was frustrating. But because I had the time, the luxury of time, it wasn't as big of a deal. It's still hard, you know? Yeah. And it's my life has certainly been somewhat easier since having access to a car, which I wouldn't have if you didn't have a car, you know? Um, but, yeah, it's really, I don't know. It's really something I think about a lot car access and like what I want that to look like in my life Mm. not that it's ever going to be like an ultimate decision because we may move to Europe and not have a car and just do public transit for a while but they have but yeah the system's a lot better (laughs) yeah and then we might decide to move to the Swedish countryside and need a car again you know or something like that uh it's just one of those weird things but I will say you know it's in LA you always have the weather on your side if you don't have a car. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that is the one thing. It's like, I mean, in New York, obviously, you have public transit, so you don't have to worry so much about the weather, but your weather, you're like, you're coming in contact with the elements a lot more in New York. Yeah, you know it's cold, I mean? it's rainy, it's snowing. And you have to walk. You just have to walk there, you know? If you don't have a car, and most people, vast majority of people don't. Anyway, let me set up. Um, my 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 default is bike, though. It's just my time is so much. Yeah. Like I like my time, and yeah. I 
I don't know. It's just part of who I am. I get really antsy waiting. Like I can't wait for buses. I would rather, like you said, I would rather, I would rather walk an mm-hmm. hour than wait 45 minutes for the bus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but by like, I feel like biking opens up so much more too, cause you can just get places quicker. You can go farther. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, really grateful that I have a working like towny bike mm-hmm. right now. Um, cause I mean, for the most part, that's what I'm get. that's how I'm getting to work to, or have been even when the car was fully operational is just right. ride my bike to work. Cause well, that's kind of a decision you made too, in terms of where you're going to work. Yeah. It's not, I don't know. I just not interested in sitting in traffic for an hour to get somewhere. Yeah. It's really an annoying to part go of to life. work. Like my time is worth more to me than that. I would rather have that hour to like fucking naval case (laughs) well and that's like that's also the thing in a city that has good public transit like i uh often in like new york when i was driving ice cream truck and they moved the depot to the bronx i would spend an hour and a half on the train my way there and my way back at night after spending an hour commuting into the city in the truck so probably two and a half hours of commuting either way every day right but that hour and a half on the train, at least it was just me chilling. Yeah. And that is the one thing when I lived in LA without a car the first three years, I was like, you know, as long as the transit is fairly like reliable coming on time, I like just sitting there and staring out the window. Well, I get to do that anyway because I'm a passenger princess <laughs> in your car. <laughs> Tempa does most of the driving uh, when we're driving together, so... I guess that's just my default mode anyway. It's just staring smooth brain out the window. (laughs) Look up Passenger Princess on TikTok if you're not familiar. There's a very funny meme about that. Um, But yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that kind of thing? Because you did that in San Francisco too. You mostly biked everywhere, but you also had BART. Yeah. So do you like public transit? Do you like... I like trains just because they're like... They're usually, like, on time. They've got, like, the little thing that says, like, next train in six minutes or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I need I need that efficiency. Buses, there's too many variables because there's, yeah. like, fucking traffic and all that other yeah. shit. So, yeah, I, I took the train, depending on what, what I was doing. Like, when I... When I when I first moved to the Bay, I was living um, on the border of Oakland and Berkeley. So I was going to school in San Francisco, so I'd have to take BART into the city. Yeah. Um, you bring your bike, though? Yeah. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I'd ride my bike from my house to the BART station, ride the train into the city, and then I'd basically get off at the closest station to school, ride my bike to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I moved to... San Francisco officially, um, yeah, I just, I, I biked everywhere for the most part, unless some, some days and it would be raining really terribly. It's like, oh, fuck this. And I, I would take the train. Luckily there was the, uh, the bus that, that there's a train that dropped off right in front of my school. That was like a, the pickup was a few blocks from my house. So I would either walk to that there was also a bus that picked up right in front of my apartment and mm. dropped off right in front of my school. Nice. Um, so, yeah, every once in a while, if I wasn't feeling... Because biking in San Francisco, if you haven't lived there, is just, like, a lot of rain all the time. So I would have to carry... During the rainy season, I would carry, like, three changes of clothes with me. Mm-hmm. So if I was running late or didn't feel like packing, like all that clothes with me i would just yeah hop on the train um or the bus but for the most part i i biked everywhere like i and that's more common there culturally right mm, yeah there's a lot more bike commuters there's a lot i think there's also a lot of people who don't aren't down with biking but there's a lot of bicyclists i would have a hard time with it just because of the terrain like i have i i really enjoy that i've become more of a biker since uh, meeting you. Mm -hmm. You really got me comfortable with city biking in a way that I was never comfortable with. I'd bike in New York, but it's just a little stressful, you know? Because you are very, like, a motorcycle. You're extremely vulnerable on a bike um, to getting doored, to just a driver being an idiot. A lot of people get killed on bikes. Um, 
But uh, yeah, you've made me a lot more comfortable with it. Maybe too comfortable. I don't wear a helmet anymore. <laughs> I, I, uh, people are always floored. Like, yeah, I'm like, I never wear a helmet riding in the yeah. city. I'm like, it's hel- helmets are designed for if you fall off your bike, not if something hits yeah. you. <laughs> like, Someone did explain it to me as like, that's true. But if you're wearing a helmet and you get hit by a car, you're more likely legally to have a better case if it appears that you're a very conscientious biker yeah and so it's more like an appearance of conscientiousness even if uh the protective measure itself is not going to protect you which is interesting and like if you zoom out on that concept but we're not going to it's a it's a symbol of conscientiousness um but which i think is funny but yeah i'm not even i don't even wear a helmet anymore which i used to which is like some people would think is kind of crazy but i but it's but i really do feel comfortable now and i actually feel yeah, very empowered being able to do that. But the one thing that I that keeps me from biking more is uh, that I have a single speed bike, and where it gets hilly, it gets a little difficult for me. Maybe if maybe I just need to get like a three speed or something. Because when I when I used to have a three speed, it, it wasn't as big of an issue for me. Or what did I have that one bike that Bunny gave me? That was like a ten speed, right? Something I don't remember fully. I think a speeded bike would help me a lot. Gears help. Gears help for the hill stuff. I have to walk. There's a lot of hills that I literally have to walk. I just don't have the oh, training. So tra- training yeah, your well, body. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> feel like that's in the cards for me. Um, but I do like biking, and I'm going to have to do it now the days that I have to go into work. Mm-hmm. And what we bike to the grocery store last night, we biked to get our groceries last week. It really is hell for me. I'm not an athlete like you, honey. <laughs> like, you're an actual athlete, and I'm not. Well, it's just, it's like, it's just like how you are not so comfortable riding in cities. Yeah. It's just exposure. It's practice, like the, yeah. The more you do it, like, it will get easy and you won't even be thinking about it. It'll just be like one day of like, oh, wow, I didn't used to be able to ride up that. And now, yeah. like, I don't, I don't totally. even think about it. Yeah, I know that's true. Yeah. Even the last time your car got totaled, getting hit when it was parked, um, we biked for like six months. We yeah. biked to parties. We biked to get our... We, actually, you had a motorcycle for some of that time. So we yeah. motorcycled to do some things. But um, we'd also bike a lot. And I think it did become really easy for me just by it having to be easy. Yeah. And we recently re-geared your bike, too. We well, did, which has made it slightly easier. I've noticed it, like, going into downtown where there's not a lot of hills, but there's, like, a couple slight inclines. Yeah. I can feel the different on the, difference on the slight inclines that I don't have to, like step up and bear down as much yeah um but some of that yeah i don't know it is it it definitely is a conditioning thing too the more you do it the easier it is but um yeah that would be hard for me san francisco because that's a lot of fucking hills yeah i mean most people there's like there's workarounds there's like the wiggle when you're going from like Mm -hmm. when you're going from like the downtown area out into like um upper hate outer hate uh, the uh, outer sunset. So there's like little routes that are kind of get you around some of the big climbs. I mean, it depends where you're going to. If you're going to your friend's house that just happens to live at the top of a hill, you gotta ride that fucking hill. Or you <laughs> or walk, walk it up it. like me. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's also it's also just like an exposure thing too. If like that's mm-hmm. the terrain you're used to riding, you, mm-hmm. it's just like you after a while you don't even think about it. Yeah. And it's the choice you make, right? It's like. Um, I don't know, for me, even when I had a bike, I would still choose to walk, because to me it's more enjoyable, depending on what I'm doing, to Mm. walk 40 minutes than to sit at home for 30 minutes and then bike really hard for 10 minutes. Like, I think I personally get as much, like, exercise enjoyment out of a very long walk than, like, a quick, hard pump, you know what I mean? And maybe that's just a different, like difference in the kind of I like exercise where I can like meditate and like Mm. daydream and I can't really meditate and daydream when I'm trying to make sure I'm not going to get hit by a car you know what I mean you can't no you just gotta do it more I don't want to (laughs) (laughs) I like yeah I don't biking for me is definitely a meditation I'm just like "Mm." and and like I said that might be kind of an athlete thing I think some people find more um mental like a different kind of mental space in different activities you know what i mean yeah i mean it's it's also probably also conditioning too because it's it's at a point where i'm or I, when i'm riding usually i'm i'm 
I'm not sprinting. I'm, that's just how I ride. Right, just because that's right. where my level is. So, yeah. like, for me, I'm just Which like, is conditioning since I'm you were like, a teenager. I'm, like, yeah. casually pedaling and just, yeah, yeah going. No, it's not. Yeah. You're not, you're not, uh running out of breath after a short hill like I <laughs> I just never had that conditioning I've never been an athlete the closest thing I ever was to an athlete was doing show choir which is like a 20 minute aerobics exercise while singing basically yeah but that's that's fucking no it was it's hard hard it's yeah hard but it's hard in a different way They're... it's just a de- it's like a it's to me aerobic i don't know i'm know, not saying aerobics isn't hard i know but... a lot of athletes that wouldn't be able to sing and dance and not make it look like they were working hard <laughs> yeah that's... but you're also in a group and that makes a big difference because like you can get a little tired and someone else will not be as tired and then they get tired and then you're less tired there's like a weird interchange happening in that kind of aerobic singing atmosphere where like everyone's propping each other up in a way where you don't have to be like a champion the whole time do you know what i mean yeah i mean it's better if everyone is and you're you obviously are doing like cardio for week for months on end to train for yeah it, you're doing cardio and singing while you're doing yeah. cardio <laughs> well i mean singing is funny like that because yeah it's breath control and i feel like breath control probably helps cardio right or yeah. they, they feed each other. I don't know. I Definitely. never thought about it that much. I just liked to perform, I mean, you know? Yeah, I, like endurance athletes are doing breath control, but they're not singing. It's like a different, it's like, yeah. it's just like being conscious of your breath. You're not, you don't have to like do this other thing with it as well. You know, when I look at show choir videos from high school, I'm like, that doesn't look, I mean, it was, it, I remember it feeling really hard, but like I watched the videos and I'm like, we're just like flailing our arms around <laughs> like how how hard could that have really been but it was you know it was but that like i said that's about the closest to athleticism i've ever gotten um but yeah what uh what else is coming up for you not having a car like work wise um, you're already used to it work yeah I, I wasn't really driving much to work anyways Although unless it was biking. like super yeah mountain biking's a big area where it's been impacting me because to mountain bike you gotta get out to the trails <laughs> and that's like a big part of your like mental health and well-being too is mountain biking isn't it yeah Just, or having uh access to the the type of cardio you like to do yeah, yeah. so there there's like a string of trails uh close to our house that i call like my my hood spin um but it's not it's not the mountain biking i like to do it's just like it's like part of it's on the asphalt part of it's on little dirt trails and it's just like you're kind of stringing together like a bunch of random patches of dirt trail it's not together no it's like enough to like spin your legs but it's not like I want to climb a mountain and then bomb down the other side. Yeah, and you don't have access to that. <laughs> Not without a car, no. I mean... Could you theoretically get on the gold line? No, because even then you're not even close to Altadena when you get off the yeah, gold line. Yeah, I mean, I could take the gold line to Altadena and then, yeah, ride up. It would be a big ride be or a big, big day, ride. but it's, yeah, it's a lot. The um, car was a really big... I feel like that's what the car was getting the most use yeah, it definitely you, was when we we're going out of out of LA. Was, yeah, because we so. don't really we use it for groceries. We use it like if we want to go out to eat, or yeah. go on like a weird little side quest. Or yeah, road trips. But we don't use it every day. No, it's like yeah, mo- if we're using it in town, it was like yeah, we're we're picking up friends, or we have to ca- haul a bunch of shit somewhere, yeah. or. Basically, yeah, just errands. Like, we weren't using it for a commute. So it doesn't... It's Luckily, we've both, like... You know, we've we've both structured our life around not needing a car for our subsistence or our livelihood, right? Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's great that we both have that because otherwise we'd be shit out of luck in a way. Or our lives would be greatly, greatly altered if you suddenly had to commute two hours to work. Yeah. On the train or something, you know? That would not be fun. I have to ask my coworkers for a ride to work, but I don't really have to go into work. Yeah, you're, uh, mo- you're mostly from home. I'm mostly remote at this point. Um, I so think another area... Sorry. No, you uh, Another area is, like, this fall is planning, now that I'm getting more proficient with the bow, uh, oh, yeah. was to go... Uh, deer hunting in LA like you can't 
uh, you can't discharge a firearm in LA County, but you can use your bow during deer season here. So I was definitely planning on doing like a day during, uh, during uh, bow deer season at least one day a week just going yeah, out, out into the woods and like trumps i probably not i I've, I've run into a few deer mountain biking out in angeles national forest but yeah the, the chances of doing that hiking with my bow and stuff probably not that great but i was just gonna do it just for fun just mm. um but i imagine we will have another vehicle by then I hope so, um, and it's going to be very dependent on how we finagle our insurance and how they finagle us, and <sighs> it yeah, sucks. dance of bullshit. Yeah, it really is bullshit. It sucks <laughs> that, you know, I mean, this is life, but yeah, it's something you have no part in, no fault in that can affect your life so intensely, but um, ideally they would pay for a rental car or we could get reimbursed for things like that, you know, but we can't really, we don't really have the income to get a rental car without knowing it's gonna be reimbursed you know yeah unfortunately um if anyone wants to give us their cars set us <laughs> give us car please cars for kids <laughs> we're the kids we are kids we're the kids but you know what it's i i am grateful we're okay honestly that was the part that i in a way was struggling with the most was just house scary that is to have something happen in such an instant um it just gets it's a real it's a real mortality reboot for me i'm like <laughs> oh yeah that's right we could just die and more more sadly the it was like it was your side of the car that was hit and i was like what the fuck if tamba had been getting out of the car in that moment and that could happen any fucking day yeah and I hate that. And you're just smiling. Because like, <laughs> you seem more you seem more torn up about this than like, I have a different... when I've had like bike crashes. <laughs> I mean, that uh, those have torn me up too. Uh, I hate... Th- yeah, I, I guess I'm just a little more high anxiety about well. these kind of things, you know? Um, but everyone's okay and we're fine. And, and you're not dead and I'm not dead and it's just a car. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, it'll be an interesting couple months. I, I think it's great that I'll be biking a little more. Get me get me going. Get me out of my pandemic sedentary slump that has never ended. And that's a good thing, right? Yes. And I'm better it's at being forced. It's important to move the body. I'm better at being forced than, I'm, than I am at um, choosing that for myself. So. I feel... What was I... I, I was listening to some podcast, and they were talking about this uh, research study. I can't remember what it was from. It was either from... Canada or Austria something like that but Mm -hmm. they they found that uh, I I feel like there's been other things done on this but yeah just moving your body is it was like a measurable amount more effective than taking any antidepressants because it's all connected yeah and I mean we all know it (laughs) (laughs) it's just a question of doing it you know and yeah, I mean, it, these haven't been the best years of my life, so, like, crawling out of that uh, mental state is a process, you know? That, um, being forced to bike, it's annoying, but I, I know ultimately it's a good thing for me, you know what I mean? I'll just ride behind you with the cattle prod. Yeah, I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the, um, what did I give you the other day? With the, where I, where you grabbed out of my pocket and pulled me, I, I pulled you, do you remember where I bike home? We, oh, the toe thing? What did we call it? It was so I can't cute. remember. I liked it. Tema gives me a turbo boost on this one part of our bike, downtown bike uh, path, where it's just like the slightest upward grade at the end of the ride, and it really wears me down every time, so Tema pushes me a little bit. He calls <laughs> it the turbo boost. It's very cute. But I did it for him the other night where he... I, like, held onto your clothes and, and you, I towed, you towed him. me a little bit. <laughs> Um, oh boy. Also, rainy days like this, you are going to have to go into work walking for 20 minutes in the rain, which isn't the worst thing, but when you're in LA, you're just not used to that, that wet life, that damp lifestyle. I got a full-ass rain suit. You do. Pants. Top. You're just missing the boots. I don't have rain boots, but my hiking boots are... Galoshes. Are 
my hiking boots are Gore-Tex. Gore-Tex, so. <sighs> I'd, um, I'd have been fine. Um, <laughs> all right, last subject of our podcast. We were watching, uh, we watched South Park. We can come out as South Park enjoyers, right? I have no qualms with saying I watched South Park. I never watched <laughs> South Park my whole life until I met you. It's absolutely the best uh, social, satire. social satire of our generation. I I really liked the first season that we watched in 2016. I thought that was pretty biting. Yeah. Um, eh, the other ones have been kind of hit and miss. It's just been... I, my theory with TV shows is, like, you have a good, like three or four seasons, everything after that, like, you're doing too... It's just... It loses uh, whatever the magic was. So, yeah. They... Every once in a while, there's a hit season or a hit episode, but there's a lot of flops, too. It's just... You know, it loses... It loses whatever that magic is. Well, and it goes up and down, right? Yeah. Um. So, last night, we were uh, watching the latest episode, which was about chat GPT. Um, users, uh, if, if listeners, if you don't know, ChatGPT is an open AI sourced, uh, chatbot, basically chatbot. chatbot or text generator. I don't know. I haven't honestly not, um, I haven't gotten too into this AI, uh, discourse or whatever, but you can type a prompt into it and it'll write out like a pretty interesting and in-depth, um, answer to, uh, or solution to your prompt. So... This is what the South Park episode was about, and it was also half-written by ChatGPT. So it was Trey <laughs> Parker and ChatGPT wrote the episode, and it was actually one of the best episodes they've done in a while. I haven't really enjoyed a lot of South Park in the past couple years as a new South Park enjoyer. This one's probably one of the better ones. Um, but we thought it might be fun to read off some things that ChatGPT has written about us. When were you experimenting with this? Oh, I was a couple, I don't know, a month ago or something. I was applying for a residency, as I do. I very rarely get anything that I apply for. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, I should be, you know, I I apply for these things. I spend all this time, and at the end of the day, it's really just a nepotistic um, casino (laughs) of culture. Yeah, because, I mean, that is what... In my opinion, that is what the art world and those kinds of scare quote opportunities are. A lot of times it's who you know, or it's who they see on your resume that you know, or whatever. Most of the most of the major things that have happened in my art career have been through people I know. That's just how it works, you know? Um, so I was like, why am I spending so much time on these applications that are basically Russian roulette or whatever? Mm-hmm. So I was like, what if I, what if I let ChatGBT start writing these applications for me? And I, so I went in and I signed up for the first time and wrote a couple prompts and it wrote some really incredibly innocuous and like poorly representational versions of my work that was scraped <laughs> off to the internet. But at the same time, I was like, this is what they want to hear. <laughs> like when I read descriptions of other people's work, that's what it sounds like. It sounds fucking yeah. stupid and like super broad in general and innocuous and boring and lame most of the time. And that's kind of what they did to my work. They just, like, smoothed it out. And I was like, this is actually probably... <laughs> smoothed it. They did. They made it so smooth and, like, digestible. And I was like, this is probably what I should be using because my my work in my own mind is extremely complicated because I'm the one um, ideating it, you know? So it has a lot of crags and crevices. And when I try to transfer those crags and crevices to the written word, like, I think it's just garbly gook. It loses. Well, because I'm trying my best to represent what I see, but what I see is not necessarily what I've portrayed, and so it's not going to match what the viewer sees. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just like an... I think it's just like a... I think it's a basic discrepancy for a lot of artists. You're too close. Yeah, I'm too yeah. close to be able to. I'm not. A, I'm not supposed to be art writing for myself. Art writers are supposed to be writing about my art. Yeah, that's. I feel like I feel similar way about writing bios. Yeah. I fucking hate writing bios. I'm like, no, How I are shouldn't you have to, to do- write my own bio. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yes, and you don't have to. You can pay people to do it. A lot of artists do pay people to write their grants. They pay mm. people to write their bios. So, I was like, well, this is just me getting the free version. 
And I don't have any ethical qualm with that because it's also, I'm also fucking doing free labor to beg somebody else for money and support. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, yeah, so that's how I came upon it. And it wrote some really interesting uh, outlines for this application, which I then went in and probably made more gobbledygook gook out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I should have probably just kept the really innocuous, like, unspecific, non-specific version, but I was like, all right, we're gonna just try to make this make a little more sense. So I put some keywords in there, whatever. Then I was like, let's see what sacred sadism pulls up, because I guess what ChatGBT is doing is um, scraping the internet for information. So mm -hmm. if you have a decent amount of information about yourself online or your project online, you can, it'll come up with something for you, right? I'm assuming that's how it works. I don't know that much about it. Probably, I don't know. I'm I sure haven't it's looked selling into my it much info. at all. I, I think it's selling my info. I also think I read that um, once you've put these prompts in there, that like anyone can look, and anyone who wants to can like get information about what that account has prompted. So say I write a application for employment, like an employer could theoretically, theoretically access my a profile and be like, wait, she wrote this prompt that exactly matches her application. Who has time to do that, though? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a, I was telling you last night, this is exactly how I treated, like, Sparks Notes when I was in high school, and I would just, you know, copy-paste Sparks Notes uh, book summaries off the internet and, like, slightly change some of the words. I was like, <laughs> this is the same concept. And it, it was always like, oh, no, the teachers have, like, a, a computer program they could run your essay through. It's like, they're not running my fucking handwritten essay through no computer program. <laughs> like, I know that technology doesn't exist. You can't scare me. So, same concept, I feel like. It's like, all right, I didn't... All right. So I plagiarized my own work that was scraped from the internet. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Genevieve, so this is... Here's here's a prompt that I, I thought would be cute to read about us. Don't read it. I'm going to read it to you. Oh. Write a story about sacred sadism creators Genevieve Bellavo and Tumba Aline. Is that too broad? Should I write, write write a sexy story? We'll start with this. Genevieve Bellavo and Tumba Aline were the creators of a controversial art project called Sacred Sadism. <laughs> the project explored the intersection of spirituality, sexuality, and pain, and featured provocative performances and installations that challenged conventional notions of what was acceptable art. Pretty good, right? Pretty good. The duo had met several years earlier at a performance art festival in Europe <laughs> and had quickly discovered a shared interest in exploring the darker aspects of human experience through their work. Darker. They began collaborating on small-scale projects, experimenting with different techniques and themes. This is the, like, very broad strokes. I love it. And gradually built up a reputation as two of the most exciting and boundary-pushing artists in the scene. It was during one of these early collaborations that the idea for Sacred Sadism was born. Genevieve had been experimenting with various BDSM practices in her personal life and was struck by the spiritual dimension that some practitioners claimed to experience during these intense sessions of pain and submission. She shared her insights with Temba, and the two began to develop a project that would explore these themes in a more public and artistic setting. Do you want to read the rest? The resulting project was a series of installations, performances, and videos that pushed the boundaries of what was considered acceptable in art. <laughs> One of their good. most notorious performances involved Genevieve being tied up and suspended from the ceiling while Temba whipped her with a cat-o-nine tail. Oh, sir! <laughs> the performance was intense and visceral, and many audience members reported feeling deeply moved and even transformed by the experience. True. If only it would say, like, the water exact, sports. I know. Yeah. It would be pretty scary, honestly. Of course, not everyone was a fan of their work. True. Some critics <laughs> accused them of promoting violence and abuse. Oh! And there were even calls for them to be banned from certain That's venues happened. and festivals. That happened! <laughs> But Genevieve and Demba refused to be censored, arguing that their work was a vital exploration <laughs> of the human psyche and, and the ways in which we experience pain and pleasure. Despite the controversy, sacred sadism continued to attract a devoted following of fans and supporters. The project even spawned a book and documentary film! I Whoa, love that well, for what? us! Both of which explored the themes and ideas that inspired the duo's work. In the years that followed, Genevieve and Temba continued to collaborate on a variety of projects, but none quite matched the intensity and impact of sacred sadism. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, one-hit wonders. 
Nevertheless, their work had pushed the boundaries of what was considered acceptable in art (laughs) and had challenged audiences to confront some of the darkest and most taboo aspects of human experience. And for that, they would always be remembered as two of the most daring and visionary artists of their time. Wow. I love that for us. Just pushing those boundaries or redlining. We are always pushing uh, the acceptable limits of art. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that anytime we need a... A little, like... A little pick-me-up? Uh, no, a little artist bio. Oh. I'm like, yeah, that's about as good as anything I could write, sure. <laughs> I just think it's really fascinating, because it's like... Yeah, it was... It managed to come up with something, like, vaguely... I mean, it's not correct, but, like, vaguely resembling what could be considered our story. And I'm like, that's close enough. It could be, yeah. It just just a needs tweaks, a little tweaking and... Which is kind of wild, It's got right? some bones there. It's got bones there! <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating. I'm sure there's, like, awful implications for the, the future of mankind in this f- cute little chatbot or whatever, but I'm not going to worry about it right now. Just, Meh. <laughs> I'm just going to use it to um, spend less time wasting time applying for things, basically. <laughs> and, yeah, if I applied for your residency, now you know. <laughs> now you know. Fuck <laughs> it. That's it for this week. We're going to enjoy the rest of this cozy, cozy rain day. And hey, I wanted to congratulate us because we managed to do a podcast a month for the year 2022, which was our goal. Yeah. Starting out. We did so, it. yeah, we did it. Um, I hope whoever's out there listening to our podcast enjoyed our year of uh, uh, consistency. <laughs> that was our goal, and we did it. Now we don't have to do it again if we don't want to no i think we should keep with the consistency we're doing pretty good if we're you know we're paying for the hosting and all that shit we might as mm-hmm. well keep going mm-hmm. <laughs> anyone want to give us our car their car and pay for pay for the hosting and shit yeah you think so no not really all 20 of we're just listeners. doing it we're doing it for the love we're doing it for the love and whoever's out there and maybe mm-hmm. for ourselves too. maybe you'll get something out of it I mean, I know if you're, like, I enjoy yelling it. at your speakers while we're blabbing about whatever we're talking about. I enjoy it too. It's also just like a fun record of things that we've been thinking about and doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's everything. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cosmic Halitosis. If you have questions or comments or want to yell something at us, email us at cosmic with a K halitosis cosmic halitosis at gmail.com. Please subscribe and like the podcast. And you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. I am Gorgeous Taps. And Temba is Tembizzle. T-E-M-B-I-Z-Z-L-E. Thanks for listening.